This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of a recent broadcast hangout that we had with Joel and Amy Kendall, where they were talking about how we know our calling and how that calling develops. You can find the full notes on everything that Joel and Amy have to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 81. So here are Joel and Amy Kendall. Hi there, everyone. Uh, my name is Joel. This is my wife, Amy. Um, it's great to be with you. Uh, thanks so much for giving us this opportunity to share with you today um, about the, the big topic of calling. Um, we're just so excited that you guys do this, that this actually happens. That this is the community of kind of learning and, and just growing in this whole area of, of mission. And we just really want to encourage you guys in this uh, in this session about what it looks like. Um, exploring our calling, particularly cross-culturally. So um, we're really not sure who's listening right now. We've got no idea, uh, but that's exciting. Maybe God has spoken to you about moving to another nation. Maybe he's spoken to your partner. Maybe you're hoping that he's going to speak to you. Uh, But the reality is we're all part of this big call of God to bless the whole world and Every one of us, even if we don't have a specific place or a particular people group or a nation that we feel called to, we've all been called. We've been called up in this big story of God. Um, So we just thought it'd be great to share our personal stories. We've been asked to share our kind of testimonies of our calling and how it's developed. And hopefully that encourages you and we'll draw out some lessons along the way um, as we do that as well. Of course, uh, it's not been an easy road for us. It's not been a smooth, uh, just simple journey. Sorry if we make it sound like that a little bit, uh, but that's just to kind of bring it into some sense of coherent story. Uh, but obviously it's unique ways that God calls us. Um, and just like the story of Abraham, where God speaks to Abraham, our great father of faith, And says to Abraham, Abraham, I am taking you from here and I want you to come with me on a journey to a place that you don't know yet. Um, And I think it's just a great encouragement, isn't it? That if we are to be involved in all that God's calling us into, we're going to need the same courage to step out, to step out of our comfort zone, to step out from our family uh, environment, often leaving cross-culturally the same challenges that Abraham Faced, we faced the very same ch- challenges. And so just as we start, I guess is this great big principle of God speaks and he gives us a calling mm. to somewhere or to some people or something. God speaks and then we get to step into it and discover it and pursue it um, and find out really what he said. So I hope what we share tonight is really helpful for you as you're doing that as you're hearing from God and you're pursuing what he's spoken to you about as well. Yeah, and just be, um, we just wanted to start by sharing a little bit of our story just to bring it to life. So 
I started myself. So I came to um, faith at university. So ironically, I met a believer on a pub crawl in my first year. And that was the start of me really exploring the claims of Jesus and coming to know him um, personally. And um, through university, I would say I deepened in my faith. But I knew that before I moved to London that next year to start my job, I I needed to go deeper. There was some healing that needed to happen from my past. And there was a just a sense of wanting to set good foundations um, for my life. So I decided to um, take a year out before joining the rat race and headed to um, Australia and um, to Perth to do a discipleship training school with YWAM, which was an amazing time, both at getting to know Jesus more and and then having the opportunity to share him on um, an outreach time where we went to the predominantly Muslim world for a couple of months to Indonesia and then on to the Philippines. And it was actually on the return back from those trips that God spoke to me for the first time where he started to unfold this kind of calling on my life. And in a time of prayer, I had this um, this image, this vision that came to my mind of a lady in her mid to late 20s um, from a country in the Middle East. Um, where she was wearing a full hijab and it just tore down the middle. And I felt like God said into my spirit that I've given everybody um, the right to enter into my presence. And I just knew that something had been dropped and deposited in my heart on that day that I, it would never be the same again. And so I returned to London to um, start my career at Accenture, which is a global management consultancy, and um, state for those who live in central London, it's quite a busy uh, time. We, I was involved with my church and I kind of put on the back burner this thing that God had said to me, but knew that it wouldn't always stay there. And it was times where I'd really meet with God in um, powerful ways in worship, particularly times focused on um, the nations. And I just knew that there was something there that I couldn't ignore. And so I started to explore that more. So I went on a life change team to to Jordan and. Um, the country in the Middle East and uh, just knew that whilst I was there that actually that isn't where I didn't feel peace about this is where I was meant to be and I knew that I had to um to keep exploring and and then following me after I met a man and a good brother and um, in a church setting he also had on his heart to explore more and what God was saying about the Middle East and so we actually became friends and and sharing that and, in, and then quickly actually uh, deciding to come to the country in which she now lives and um, with a team of other people um, interested in this uh, and so we'll go into that more in detail in a moment of our relationship with others and how we ended up to come here but I think I knew that when I lived in London even though things were going well and I love my job, I love my church, I had amazing friends and family. There was just this sense of kind of unsettledness in my heart that I knew that I couldn't just settle for um yeah, this status quo almost. So a bit more about my uh kind of journey and uh how I felt God initially talking to me about uh moving um to this part of the Middle East. Uh, before going to university, I traveled to Australia, New Zealand. Um, and for me, just where I was at with my faith, it was a real time of searching, a time of really wanting to find out what he was doing in the world, what it looked like to follow him, uh, to really give my life to him. I was just hungry to to see him at work, really, and see what he was really doing. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I had 
a number of people just in different parts of my travels where they shared prophetic words with me, which for me was quite a shock. I didn't come from a charismatic background. I didn't realize God spoke to us in that way. Um, and these words were about me sharing good news with people who were lost. Uh, God wanted me to uh, share with people from many nations and those people who had never had a chance to hear about him before, which was both exciting and disconcerting. So I had no idea what that looked like. Uh, but there was a re- it really resonated in my heart. And I knew that was from God, um, even though it was quite a surprise. So when I then moved to London after my travels to, to university, I had loads of different friends suddenly from all these different places from around the world. Uh, whilst at university, I started to gather a group of believers then um, to really together start reaching out to those different people around us at university. And I was part of a university where there were six different campuses um, and really saw, saw God at work in that time. And we started a little group on each of these campuses. And we just felt like in that moment, God speaking to me about reaching out to the, the nations all around us there in London. I knew at that moment it was reaching students from all over the world who were in the heart of London who had come from all these different places and suddenly were on our doorstep, suddenly we had relationship with. Um, and again, I guess my heart was growing and growing um, for that sense of God's heart, the, the people of uh, other nations as well. And as I finished university, I hadn't planned um, on taking this step, but the staff team at Christchurch London, where we were based, Uh, asked me to come and be part of the student work, to lead the student work with Juliet Ash and Adrian Holloway, who were there at the time, were hugely influential in my journey as well. And God just really blessed our work with students, and we grew to a large community of of students working in 10 different campuses, 10 main universities all across London. Um, And we started to dream and think about how could we envision not just our international students, but all of our students to really grasp a heart for what God was doing all around the world. Um, and so as part of the kind of the New Frontiers Mobilize network, we thought, let's gather uh, short term teams who would go and visit um, works in different parts of the world and get a taste for a different culture, get to see what starting of new communities look like in new places. Um, and so I got involved in that and led a team to Malmo, a small community there, and then to St. Petersburg, where a new com- community had been started. And I realized in the process uh, that God didn't want me to go to Sweden or to Russia. Uh, praise God. Um, sometimes it's in the things that uh, don't feel like they fit and they're not right in terms of what God's saying to you that we get clarity. Um, so I'd say that's a really important part of our calling, actually realizing where we're not called to somehow uh, gives us clarity about where we are going. So then as we reported back at Mobilize that year, I remember I gave a notice uh, for everyone for the next year's teams, really excited about the next year. And then a guy called Julian Adams is a very prophetic guy, grabs the microphone and shares this prophetic word. He felt God had for me. And he said, I see you as a church starter and God has made you as a man for many nations. And he's he's saying you're to prepare yourself. Um, and so 
not really sure what that meant. Um, I thought, right, I will prepare myself. I will continue to uh, to invest myself in everything that God wants me to do. And praise God, our friends from Oxford uh, Emmanuel Church that year said we want to take a team of our students to uh, part of the Middle East where we're actually now living. Uh, and we said, absolutely, we'd love to see a team going there. And I definitely want to join that team, I said. So along with a great group of their students, I brought an Egyptian student from Christchurch and we went. Um, and really, I was blown away by God's heart for these people and everything God wanted to do there. And so coming back from that trip, I was hugely impacted and started to ask some really big questions about should I be moving? How do I investigate the next step now what does that look like for me um here in london how do i need to change my life now that i've come back from that and as a church we were starting to go through a big change and chatting with uh, dave stroud who leads Christchurch, then about really the heart of the church was starting to see missional communities starting and so i thought i that's really where my heart is. I'm wanting to start investing in, um, yeah, starting new communities among uh, those people that God had really put on my heart, actually, in London. Yeah, and around that time, as I mentioned previously, Joel and I met, and apparently we'd seen each other in church a couple of times. Definitely seen uh, each other. But I can't, I can't remember that. And, and so we were sat and just sharing in a circle you know, what is God saying to you? And I think that's a good question to be asked, like, what is God saying to you right now? And, and what are you going to do about it? And we did that for the year. And my response was, I really want to go back and to a different country. I knew that God had given me this sense of um, burden and heart for the Middle East, but I didn't know the country in which I'd um, see that kind of worked out. And so um, I shared, I'd love to go back to the Middle East. And uh, then it was Joel's turn. And he said, the same I would love to go and um, he'd been to uh, the country we live in the year before and he wanted to go back and then um, so we started talking we chatted with the people that did the life changing for Newton Tears and and realized actually it'd be really great to build a team together and go and serve some churches and meet the local believers just get a feel for the nation the culture and what it looks like and to be a person of faith there and and, and really wanting to invite other people up with us who also felt like God was speaking to them. And it could be another step in their journey and towards understanding more of what that call looks like. And we didn't just want a nice group of Christians that wanted to do something good in a country. Uh, we really wanted to find people that actually um, felt like God was speaking to them. And yeah, we built a team and, and there was a real sense of I think the reason we wanted to do that is because we whilst we knew God was calling us here, we also felt like. Actually, it wasn't. It was there was a sense of the leadership call as well in that that we would lead people with us as we did that, and um, and some of those people who we were in that first team with us are now part of the long term team and um, kind of uh, the church planning team and the people that we're doing life with here. So yeah, it's amazing to see how it's uh, worked out. And just thinking about that, it was a really it actually exploring short term and exploring what your gifts are uh, within the, the context of your calling is really important. So we had mm. different people on that team who were saying, you know, actually my gift and my sense of passion is 
you know, in mercy ministry or in serving refugees or in uh, business and seeing business really release finance and or um, building relationship. And so we had different people on the team and we had the sense of, um, you know, particularly wanting to cease a team gathering uh, to start a new community. It was a sense of, of everyone exploring within their gifts Mm. Um, within that kind of short-term team. And I think it's a really a really helpful way of us exploring, kind of pushing, okay, where are my gifts? Um, exploring for a short time, how can I use my gifts within that context? Uh, and it's always in within the context of team. And actually working that out together was really helpful, going together and realising we have the kind of different, um, different parts to play. Uh, sometimes we can have this really rose tinted conceptual way of uh, of thinking about moving cross culturally, pioneering in another culture. Um, it's a glorious thought. Um, and when we came back, Ames and I, when we'd come back from visiting this Middle Eastern nation, we realised uh, even if we don't move for a very long time, um, in London, there are so many people from other communities, from other cultures who've got no understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, perhaps God would have us move to start new communities where we are, uh, because if we've got this great passion, if we're not doing something where we are right now, then are we do we just have this wonderful conceptual idea of what? loving people cross-culturally looks like or are we actually doing it where we are it's a big challenge and it kind of bring brought us down with a bit of a bump and when we returned from this team uh, we moved house to another part of London where there was no community uh, within our uh, church community at the time and we thought we're going to invite others to also come and live in this area because there's there's a majority Middle Eastern people group here and we want to uh, really live alongside, love uh, and learn about the culture of these people. So we initially moved with 15 people to a part of East London. And for us, this was hugely helpful in us exploring our culture in two particular ways. Uh, firstly, it gave us an opportunity to think, what does it look like to make cross-cultural friends? What does it look like for us to not just have this idea of cross-cultural relationships but actually have cross-cultural friends and start to then invite people on a discipleship journey uh, with these people who we love God's given us a heart for uh, and we were just really blessed in seeing a number of our cross-cultural friends coming to faith uh, coming to know Jesus um, during our time before we left which was phenomenal and just really faith building mm. and we learned all sorts of lessons in that uh, but also it was just a great chance to learn what contextualizing would look like to move to a new community where we're starting something from scratch. There isn't a community who serves this culture at the moment. So we're learning to contextualize to this new community, um, which just, again, a hugely important part of our um, our sense of calling. So if moving to another culture is not where you're at in your journey right now. I, I guess just want to put the challenge out there. Could you move cross-culturally in your town or in your city 
to a new area and begin sharing God's heart with those who don't know him yet where you are right now? Could you be doing that? Would that be the next step for you in your journey? Would that help you in your sense of calling to make cross-cultural friends, to learn Mm -hmm. how to contextualise God's love to the people who he's given you a heart for? Yeah, and if um, that is for the, this wasn't part of what we are going to say, but um, for the majority Muslim world, can I encourage you wherever you live, make friends with the Muslims around you. Now, every single one of our friends is a Muslim. And I think if you'd have told me a year and a half ago, Amy, all your friends are going to be Muslims in a year, I'd have said, no, they're like the people you kind of avoid, aren't they? Even though we're meant to um, love them. And so wherever you live, look for where God is working and seek these people out. They are open way more than you probably expect and um anyway moving on so joel alluded to this slightly at the beginning that our journey hasn't always been uh, simple and it's probably sounded quite um smooth up to now and i guess what uh, we probably uh, should have said is we use the word we quite a lot up to this point but actually the we was still a joel and an amy um up until this point in the story so when joel talks about coming back from this country where we are and moving um, to East London, the reality of what that looked like was I realised I liked Joel more than a friend. And so as Joel decided to move to East London, I all of a sudden decided that that was the right thing to do well and the right thing to do as well. So Joel said, I'm moving east. I quite rightly packed up my bags and followed him east (laughs) and and moved in with some friends there across the street from him. Um, And uh, actually, we maintained just friendship for over a year and we're leading the community groups in East London together and and actually did friendship really well but I think I started getting to the point where and Joel announced as well that he was leaving um, Christchurch in this kind of period he'd um, agreed a kind of slow handover because he had a lot of responsibility and really felt like it was time to come and, and live in this part of the world and about a month later I um we had the conversation where we realised actually maybe we are more than friends. And so we had this really fun uh, year or six to uh, six to 12 months of starting a new relationship, working out um, whether we should be together, whilst dealing with sometimes daily the question of, um, is he going to go without you? Are you going to go together? Are you going to get married tomorrow so that you can go together even I was like is he going to go without me am I going to you know it was really interesting I think during that whole time it actually became really important that we just ignored that background noise and I think why we have we had such a peaceful relationship and even now why we have a peaceful marriage is there's that sense of just cutting out what everyone else says and listening to the spirit and saying okay I still have peace about entering a relationship with this man that's just told me he's moving and to the Middle East in six months, knowing that God is faithful and will work it out. And so if there's any background noise and lots of questions, just as best you can, lock it out and uh, and listen to the spirit. And during this kind of uh, whirlwind time, this kind of cauldron of uh, working out our relationship with all these you know massive questions around us, um, I think for me personally, as someone who I had a kind of strong, definitely a stronger sense of calling about uh, moving definitely more, more quickly. Um, Amy wasn't in that place at the moment. And the big challenge for me was, and I think this is something on timing uh, in kind of working out 
if mm. one is feeling more strongly a sense of calling than the other, the big challenge for me was I couldn't, with a clear conscience, lay down what I felt like God was saying to me. Um, because God is, you know, our, he is our main priority in life, what he says we want to follow. Um, but if I was going to marry Amy, if God was also bringing Amy into my life, I, I felt like the, the process I had to go through was I have to give this sense of calling back to God. <laughs> He's spoken to me. He's said, here's what I want to do with you and through you. And I felt like I had to give this back to God, knowing that he would need to bring everything about because it was his calling after all. It wasn't mine to hold on to and and try and work everything out in my own kind of way. I had to give it back to him and realize, actually, I'm not giving up on this. I'm not just laying it down. I'm saying, God, it's it's with you. You're to work this out now. And it was honestly one of the hardest things I've had to do in my life um, and actually really giving it over to God and not picking on myself I think was one of the most difficult things I've done but prioritizing um, aims and us working together actually what is God saying to us both feeling like God is God's been bringing us on a journey here together there's a sense of calling together but needing to trust him for where that worked out um so anyway it's a, it's a long story but as we were engaged uh and getting married we continued to explore uh what god was saying to us um and so we came to the global city that we now live in for a weekend to answer the question actually could we do normal life here and just kept asking honestly those who are on the journey with us those in church our church leadership who knew us really well speaking into us saying, okay, we know your gifts, we know what you're about, um, and then really speaking into us um, was a huge part of our uh, our development and our calling. It wasn't something we could work out on our own. It wasn't something that we're kind of, right, we need to um, have secret conversations about our calling because no one else understands us. Um, but actually, it was something we did really openly, and we're really blessed because we were we were able to have those questions um yeah, kind of answered and spoken to by others. But what we realised from our time where we visited on this weekend, that our hearts were starting to grow to see something like we'd seen in London, but in this city, right in the heart of this uh, global city in the Middle East, to see something really flourishing happening there. And there was a sense of faith that started to grow. So at this point, we start asking God where exactly he wants us to invest our lives uh, and for the next year or so, we really gave ourselves to what God was doing in East London. And from our initial group of 15, we multiplied that group a number of times and helped to start another uh, another few groups. And the, there's a community of 80 or so people gathered together now with this sense of ambition. We would love to see, we're believing to see us a Sunday gathering in East London as part of Christchurch's vision. But as we were kind of on this journey, as this was coming to this point, I think though we'd loved serving with great friends, living in East London, we were faced with this decision where we felt like actually we had more faith now for this thing that God was calling to us, calling us to over here uh, than what God was doing in London. 
And so we felt like we couldn't commit ourselves to lead this site as it started. Um, and so instead, um, it definitely wasn't the easy road. And I think this is part of what we realized at the time was, um, you know, giving up friends, closeness to family, highly paid jobs um, and doing what we could have kept doing, what still looked like a good thing, mm. but missed out on what God was actually saying to us. Um, so we decided that we weren't staying in East London um, and we did a slow handover, announced the church. And at this point, of course, some people start stepping back from you. Uh, and although they don't mean it in a horrible way, um, I think you have to prepare um, at times when you f- start following God. There's a sense of loneliness um, as you start to pursue God in that you start to realize, um, you know, there's a cost in terms of relationally. Uh, and we've we've realized actually we've we've sent some people stepping back. But what we've noticed is the importance of having really strong, deep relationships with those who are close friends and family uh, who are part of the journey with us. Because this isn't just our own calling. It's not just your own calling. It impacts family. And actually, lots more people are involved in your calling uh, than just us. We can think very individualistically sometimes about our calling. Mm. Um, And so we came to the point where we decided to move. We kind of made some difficult uh, goodbyes and that sense of uh, loss. But then we started to really share vision and gather team to start a new community where our heart really was. Um, And and that meant basically not having everyone as part of our team, but it meant realising who is God joining to us. Uh, because where God's calling, there's always a sense of team and a gathering. And so we really wanted to look for who's God actually given the same heart and who's he joining to our hearts to start this thing. We didn't just want a big group of people randomly who all thought, well, let's give this a go. We wanted people who we knew actually God has been calling in the same way and we joined together because our calling has to be a sense of corporate calling. Who are we joining to? is a big part of our individual callings as well. Yeah, I think at at the core of what we felt like God was saying to us was this heart to to see a discipleship movement, both in the country in which we live, but um, not limited to that. And we really had uh, raising indigenous leaders at the start. So our dream is that we will be um, made redundant, which isn't everybody's dream, I'm sure. Um, And also at the start, really, that, there was a sense of weight, not just to start many local churches, but also have a community that would bless the city in which we live. And that because we are here, it, it adds to the flourishing and contributes to the flourishing of that city. So we were looking at the renewal of business, arts and uh, hospitality, trade, different areas. And part of an amazingly God's brought together people with all those different things on their hearts. Actually, we have someone who's desperate to start a cafe, someone who's involved in trade. And part of our role, actually, is, as leaders is to help and bring out that call that God has put on their own life and to see them flourishing. And I think for me personally in that, I um, worked for Accenture in London, a consultancy firm for 
six or so years and actually giving that up was probably the hardest thing I had to do but knowing at the same time that there's this calling to and um, bring the world of work and the church and um, sacred and secular close together and to be in there and to get my hands dirty and to to contribute to um, to seeing it flourish and to be a carrier of hope into that environment and to use my skills for good and you know particularly with starting um I've actually recently started back um which is probably why I've got black eyes and I'm not making sense all the time. Back at Accenture here in a uh, global city in the Middle East. We're doing so well. Uh, and uh, I've recently started back at Accenture and um, I am focusing on uh, what I do, which is digital strategy, but also at the same time, corporate citizenship, which has been really exciting. So corporate citizenship is where basically we use all our profits um, not all our profits, that would be a bad business model. We use a percentage of our profits to help those in need. So whether that be training to help bring people out of unemployment, whether that be the bridge the gap between university and employment. And um, we work together with charities um, to help um, address some of those core um, uh, and systemic challenges. And it's been exciting for me to have that opportunity for it to be taken away, knowing at the right time, um, a year and a bit after, after having time to, to go deep into language, and God has given it back. And I think it's been so exciting to know that as a team, whilst we are all joining together and seeing this new community, we're also supporting one another and seeing the other parts of our call and flourish as, as part of that picture. Great. So that's kind of that's our journey and kind of where we're up to now. Obviously, it still continues. We're still exploring. We don't have all the answers in terms of our calling. It's still being very much worked out. Um, but just to summarise some of the points, I guess, that we've we've touched on. Um, firstly, kind of don't wait to be in a different stage of life before pursuing God. Uh, don't wait to be married. Don't wait to be in the right job. Uh, mm. Don't wait to be in the right situation. We both met while actively pursuing God in our in our own single lives uh, and in our own ways. Um, and really don't waste the time that you're in don't waste the season you're in um where you're at right now is a key part um to you pursuing that number two uh, invite others on the journey good friends even people who came with us on that first team that we came to to this city uh, they're now part of that they're great supporters their understanding of that they've been able to share uh, more of what life is is really like here um it has to impact others. You have to bring others in on the journey. Uh, it's not just your calling. God does the calling uh, so we can give it back to him. We can trust him with it, uh, whether it's work. OK, how what will that look like? Whether it's giving up different aspects of your life, realizing if you give it to God, he is going to work that out for you. Uh, that there's lots of unknowns in this sense of calling. We have to do a lot of pursuing finding out, okay, but trusting God's going to bring all these pieces together uh, as we follow him. Number four, serve hard where you're at, um, but always have an eye on where you want to go and live with faith for that. I think just so thankful that we invested ourselves in London uh, and in our community there. Uh, we learned so much. We were so blessed in that, and it, it really developed our sense of calling uh, our gifts and all sorts of stuff. So I think serve hard where you are. Don't miss the opportunities where you are. 
Uh, and lastly, I think just in terms of your relationships, realise your family uh, are hugely impacted uh, by this. It's important that you share and have them really part of your journey, be really sensitive to them in that we've wanted to share with our families and it's been a huge blessing. It can either be a big challenge or a, or a huge blessing, depending on whether you do that well. You were talking about actually calling that you got before you met and and then how that kind of worked out afterwards. But but did it change after that? And And kind of with this... You know, how did others respond when you when you told them what, what you're thinking? Did everyone understand? What some, you know, how, how did you work it out? And and what did your family say? How did they react when you when you told them? Wow, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, uh, the first one. So I would say personally, yes, mine did change. I wouldn't say it changed. I would say it focused in. So I would say I had a general call to the Muslim world or the Muslim majority nations. And then as I felt like I was, this is bad to admit, but I was like, not till I get married, God, come on. You're not moving there single. Even though I would say if you're single and God is speaking to you, don't wait to get married. I was the bad person going, I'll wait till I'm married. And then I think as I started to get to know Joel, there was a sense of actually in marrying him, I'm saying yes, partly to his call and what he's carrying and it also helped to give me you know a sense of okay it's not just a random region now at least I've got somewhere where I feel like God's taking me in. and I think just you have to have peace yourself I think I had to have a sense of okay this is narrowing into a nation but I have to have peace about this because it, it is tough at times you can be incredibly lonely language is a massive pain in the butt a lot of the time and um, I'm saying that after being in this work environment now, it's a killer. And uh, and um, I think having to have peace about when where you go is really important. So whilst my call focused, I think I had to seek that I knew that this is what God was saying to me. And um, that was the first point. The second. I think, yeah, so on one of the other, just pick up. So as we kind of started to share this, um, particularly let's say with our families, um, I think there was hugely different responses. So one of our families uh, were like, great, we're super behind you. We, you know, we're so, so excited that God's saying this. And the other one of our families was a bit probably more cautious um, and a little bit worried that we were just moving to a place where everyone's terrorist. Um, to be honest, that was a, that was an interesting conversation to work through. So really, that that meant we had to say, okay, how can we introduce you to this mm-hmm. culture? How can we introduce you to actually these people we've come to love? And that meant mm-hmm. taking them to uh, to some of our favourite restaurants. Of course, in the Middle East, it's always around food. It's always um, kind of that time of chatting and sharing family stories. And so, and in that context, I guess us being able to share our not just what we feel like God's saying in the future, but our sense of love and relationship and what we've learned. Um, I think that really started to open up that conversation with family members who found it more difficult to understand why on earth would you want to go and live among people who want to blow you up was kind of one of the initial questions. Um, but praise God, 
I think this God's done a wonderful thing as we've shared that. Um, I think their hearts have been won over as well by God for the people that we're around as well. Yeah. And I think just to build on that, really trusting your family and your friends into God's hands and he's God and we're not. And I think we're never going to convince them that what we're doing is the right thing, because I think always the cost of not seeing us always feels a bit higher than their desire for us to be here. And that's just the reality. You live with that tension. But at the same time, there's been amazing moments where particularly my family have got in touch and have said, well, they're believers, praise God now. Like, Actually, God's really spoken to me at church today about why you're there and it's amazing. Or, And I think just seeing that happen over time, that God is faithful. He will speak to the people that he needs to speak to. And I, that's been a huge encouragement to us. That's, that's really good. And then, John, did you did you feel the calling diminished or grow? Seeing it was, a, a, you know, you were talking about that you got the first initial calling at quite young, actually. So how did that develop? Did it, you know, did you sometimes feel, oh, no, I lost my calling. And then other times you were really encouraged. How, how did that work out for you? Yeah, good question. Um, I think uh, I realized it was a very generic sense of calling to start with. And I think a real sense of love for the Middle East, uh, but also just people from every other nation. And so as I started to kind of initially work that out in London, you know, that looked like hanging out with Mongolian people, Chinese people, um, Eastern European people. It was so literally it was Iranian people. It was basically anyone I would meet from another nation was a chance for me to um, express God's love for the nations. And it was just an exciting thing. And it kind of grew. But I think I would say there were times where I didn't know where that was going or what that would look like. Um, and so I think those were probably the biggest challenges. Actually, where is it? God? You know, I was going to Sweden. I was going to Russia. I was open to God and I was wanting to push doors and um, and really serve God in that way. But I think probably the the most frustrating point in my journey, there was a sense of it is calling growing and a sense of passion growing. Um, but it was really that sense of, OK, where is it specifically? And then um, when I when I first came on a. Uh, a short-term team to come here. I think I was just really blown away. And I think from then really realized um, more specifically where, where God had called me to. Um, Yeah. And that was, I think a really key moment for me and then working out what the next steps and what did it look like? Um, But I would say it's always grown, but I guess it's kind of got more and more, uh, defined and more and more kind of narrowed in. Brilliant. Uh, you said that that it's really realizing where God is not calling you that makes us then kind of work out, you know, when He's calling you. What would you advise to someone who actually just some simple steps, if you can, uh, for someone who actually does have a heart for a country or or culture? Um, is it the best thing to just focus on that country or culture or just maybe go a bit wider and explore the things? Good question. Good question. Um, Let me start. I think um, I would say if you have a, a, a people on your heart and they are close 
to you, as in you, that could be part of your life right now. I would say definitely uh, do all you do all you can to build those relationships and start investing uh, in that way. But if uh, if you don't have that opportunity right now, um, I would take. Uh, I would say what's been really helpful for me has been serving and loving people from another culture, um, even though it might not be the particular people group that you have on your heart. But knowing there's there's so much that of God's heart that that you can share and learn about through serving someone from another culture and loving starting to make cross-cultural friends, um, that will be really useful um, when you do when you do have the opportunity to really serve those um, that you have particularly on your heart. So I'd say those two things, if, if you have opportunity now, definitely invest yourself a hundred percent. But if not look for those opportunities where you can continue to use that sense of heart and, and calling. Yeah. Just to build on that. I think our story was it went wide and it narrowed in. So we weren't sure. And then just, wanted to explore different places we didn't know and had to knock other options out almost before we knew I would say if you know and particularly if it's for a probably a Middle Eastern or it's a Muslim majority people group and there's only 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week I wouldn't say invest there because they they are they view relationships very differently than we do. So you have to go deep and you have to spend a lot of time with them before you have opportunities to really have faith conversations. So just being realistic with capacity, if you have a sense of where God is speaking and you, you have peace that that is what you feel like God's saying to you, I would put all your energy into that. Yeah, well, setting calling isn't isn't uh, an, an easy you know, it isn't an easy thing. But what if you feel convinced, actually, that, that you've got a specific calling, but whenever you step out into that calling, just, you know, it's just a struggle. How, how should you weigh that calling and, and you know, if and, and the possible struggles of acting, actually, your calling? When is it time to stop and reset? Mm. When Jesus returns. Amen. good question so you feel like you're pursuing that sense of what God's saying but it's frustrating you don't feel like you're going anywhere where do you get to the point of kind of saying right let's start again right God what are you saying um I go on Donnie I would say the reality is you're probably going to have some very difficult times. Uh, so in the last year and a half, we've had some very difficult times, far more difficult than I ever had in England. And I think the reality of culture, language, homesickness is just hard. And I think you need to have a sense of faith. And I think you have to have faith in the daily things. But I think you have to ask and pray for that gift of faith that God gives you to endure. And so if you feel like you've got a calling, ask for a, the gift of faith to endure even in the tough times. Because I think you have to have, we believe we're called people, don't we? So if God's given you a call, you have to feel called out of that. So we will be where we are now until we get called out of this situation. 
not just when we get tired and want to give up. So I think pray for the gift of faith to endure and don't move on until you're called to something else. Mm, that's a really good answer. Yeah. And, and sorry, John, were you going to say something? I was just going to agree with that. And um, I think, yeah, just the only thing I would add would be, um, you know, if God's spoken to you, I think that's there's often a lot of um, there's often a long journey before you really see what that looks like. So you look at Abraham and you think, you know, there was a there was a long most of his life until he really saw, wow, actually, God is going to answer the promise that he gave me right at the start of this journey. Um, and so I think just holding on to what God said and, and realize there's not a kind of reset point. OK, did, did God say something? And actually, that's not you know, that's not going to happen. I think there's a sense of patience working through things and realizing it might be a long it might be a really long journey. That sense of calling for us, I guess it's been a bit shorter. Um, you know, it feels like, well, we, they've just you know, explain this story over a few, you know, five years or whatever. And that's that seems really easy. Good for you guys. But I think for, for a lot of people, actually, it's a long journey. And I think we should expect uh, that sense of we have to hold on. We have to say, God, you've said um, you've promised uh, and kind of bring it back to God. But holding on to it, I don't think we I don't think we need to say, right, let's start. Let's start from scratch. Maybe I need something new from God. But I think we can say, God, can you can you bring this about? Can you bring clarity in this? You know, I'm holding on here, but will you bring something fresh? Brilliant. And uh, you, you talked about actually you individually getting calling. And how important is that, you know, that knowledge, actually, that you have been called individually and as a couple when when, you know, when the going is hard? Yeah, great question. I would just say it's fundamental. It's absolutely fundamental. I think, um, you know, you come to points where um, it's just you come back to that. God, you've you've said <laughs> you've spoken to us about being here. You know, you've put this on our hearts. You've you've made this happen. And there's been moments even where we've just kind of gone back on that and said, look, God, we don't know what the future looks like. We don't know all the kind of answers from here, but you've brought us this far. Um, I think if we didn't have that, it would be very difficult in in tough moments to say, well, what on earth are we doing here? You know, we've we've made we've made life very difficult for ourselves if we're just making a kind of uh, a decision based on something that I didn't feel like actually God had spoken to me about in the first place. So I think for Ames, it's really important. It's not just me. I think if it had just been my sense of call, I think it would be tough also for me feeling like, ah, Ames doesn't carry this same sense of passion and as I do. And that's tough. But also Ames would be like, just not sure I can do it anymore. So, yeah, I think it's really fundamental. But that might might look different as well. And that might be a different kind of sense of what Mm -hmm. that looks like. That's yeah. I was going to say that, that. I think Joel's always had a more sure and specific, yes, we should be where we are here. I think I love here and I can't imagine, like, I'm glad I don't live anywhere else now. 
But I think actually my conviction is that Jesus should be made famous where he isn't known. And actually, that's what I feel like my call is, that, ori- that original, like everybody has been given the right to come into my presence. And so if there is places in the world where there's not even that option being given, that's actually what I feel like God said to me, not you should go live in this country. And so in the hard times, I get really annoyed sometimes with the culture, the language. I actually just have to come before God, usually in a really simple way, put on a bit of Hillsong and just sit there and go, God, come on. Please remind me. And then you cut. if you love Jesus, you soon get back to that place of actually, you know, everybody needs to hear about him. Everybody needs to, to hear about this person that loves them. And that I think that's simple, just coming before God in that place of weakness and being like, you know, is this where I'm meant to be? I had, I've never seen like writing in the sky. I've never seen anything. I've never had Julian Adams come up to me. I just always knew that they should be churches planted where there aren't churches. And I'm not going to go anywhere where there's lots yeah. of churches when I feel that's what God said to me. So mine's a bit more simple, but, but I think it's also it's a deep call because it's still something that the spirit convicts your spirit of actually your purpose in life. And I think that's, you know, calling and purpose, that is my purpose. And I think going back even to that core gives you the, the kind of energy in the tough times. And would you just quickly give us some advice for couples who actually don't seemingly have the same calling? What would you say to them very quickly? Dan, why don't you start? Oh, flip. (laughs) I would say a bit like I'd said at the beginning, try to not listen too much to what everyone else is saying, particularly family. I know that sounds really bad advice, but when you, if you are married, that's your fundamental, that is, other than your relationship with Jesus, that is your primary relationship. That's where all of your security, all of your, you know, God intended most of your relationship needs to be met there. And trusting that if God called you to marry this person, which you need to feel called to get married to a person anyway, I think, that he will work the rest out. And I think if God has called you and has given you a love for someone and to marry, he's, he is not a divisive God. So seek him, seek his will, seek his will for your marriage, for your husband. As I actually in the tough times where I used to get so annoyed, at all the constant questions that I used to get. I used to actually say, God, I used to try and turn him and be like, keep speaking to Joel, like make it clear for him. And actually my heart stayed pure as I seek the best for him. And so maybe that maybe do that instead of being scared about what you're holding on to tightly, hoping that your own calling gets worked out. Maybe pray for your husband that his calling, his conviction becomes harder and he'll probably be doing the same for you. And in that sense of, in in that sense of relationship, in that sense of wanting the best for the other person, I honestly think God will bring those two together. I think the only other thing I'd add just like on a practical note as well would be just creating the safe space to have those conversations mm. and not allowing it to be a here's something that God's spoken to me and I kind of I hold this over here and here's something God's spoken to you and you hold it over there but really being able to create the safety to say okay God has called us will call us together into this and let's have 
you know, a real openness about talking about this can be one of the most tough things to talk about calling. And, you know, it's something we feel most deeply, but often can't really even communicate and express as well as we'd like to, or someone doesn't understand it as much. So I think particularly for the one who perhaps feels more passionately, not getting upset when the other person doesn't feel as passionately as you or doesn't feel as strongly about something as you, but being open mm. and sharing that um, and really being able to protect protect that. It's a really sacred space of saying, actually, God will do something really creative in your marriage to bring you to a place of oneness in, in calling and heart. But then I'd say as well, on a real practical note, just keep exploring together. Keep thinking, okay, where could we go together? What, what's the next thing maybe we could do to explore this? Could we go here? Could we go to this day where this is being talked about? Could we go out on a day out to pray together about this? You know, making sure there's always a next thing rather than it will just sort itself out. Um, so, yeah, giving that safe space, but just keep exploring, keep thinking, right, what's the next thing we can do here that might put us in a place where we could get clarity, have that sense of, ah, yeah, God's leading us in, in the way forward here. Some thoughts. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's excellent, yeah. And how, how did different people, like, obviously you were part of, of, uh, of church in, in London, but how did different people play part in, in shaping your calling? And, um, you know, how did God use those around you? And just to cram one more thing in there. And did you get any bad advice? That, and how did you think, or, well, how did you decide that it was a bad advice? <laughs> Great question. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the bad advice now, one because that's the more juicy question, isn't it? Everyone wants to hear that. Um, I think we had one moment which was quite fun, where oh, I know what you're going to say, where someone came up to Ames whilst we're working this out together. You know, talk about that sacred space of. Uh, protecting that kind of being open someone came up to amy and said um we were we were dating but not engaged important information you're not going to stop joel uh moving to this country are you and because he's got like you know he's got a really strong kind of cross-cultural gift and a real um and i felt myself we're both there and i was like i'm melting now i'm like what what on earth are you so i think not so much advice but how not to help people who are trying to work that kind of conversation out that was a fun one Ames did not respond well to that I smiled <laughs> um, what was the other part sorry it was bad advice and how do different people play play part actually in you and discerning and shaping your calling oh, I would say huge I think like we mentioned a bit during the time like our family you know we genuinely feel stronger because our family are amazing we get messages all the time we get little letters I think keeping our family saying actually you are part of our journey like we're not just going off and doing our thing you are part of it and I think that played a huge role I think for me personally um some of my uh, absolute best friends and um, Maven Pete Torrance 
have played a huge role in my call. They, I used when we were dating and we used to have to go to these horrible events about the <laughs> about the Middle East where Joel would speak about how much he loved it, and I was dating him and he was going. And I used to, I remember calling them and saying, "This is happening," and they were like, "Don't worry, we'll come, we'll come." And they came to London just to be by my side and just to kind of be on my team. And I think just that sense of having someone where I felt safe and loved at the same time as being very vulnerable, actually, there was great wisdom in that. And I think I'd advise that, particularly for the women who have maybe got a similar situation or are unsure. Don't make yourself vulnerable or more uncomfortable than you need to be. Because God isn't going to do that. God is going to gently lead you through this with kindness, because that is our God. He leads us gently. Um, and so, you know, I think he's a, it's a word a lamp is to our feet. It's not like a bulldozer behind us. And I think that would be something I'd really advise, like the, the, the role of having people you trust and love to confide in and um, was, yeah, was hugely important. What was the best advice that you got? Mm. Retrospectively, it was to take time off for language, even though I hated that when I heard it. So um, I think for those who are moving to a a world which is not in English, I would advise seriously setting time aside for language. I've recently gone back to work and it is so tiring in a different language. And I praise God that I was um, humble enough to, I guess, that he showed me that I couldn't just carry on working and learn language part time on the side. And just the importance of and you enter a culture through its language and just investing in time. And even now we're still studying full time and working. You know, it's I think that was amazing advice for me. Mm. I think for me, it was probably um, something Dave Stroud said about how you finish a season Mm. um, that as you invest yourself and hand over and finish a season well, as kind of as well as you finish something will set you up in a strong place for the next season. And there's almost like, you know, a a blessing from God in you finishing something well. And um, that was totally true. I just really felt like we kind of where we'd, uh, where we'd handed over and really wanted to do everything we could to, to hand things over as best as we could. It felt like really we were in a stronger place when we started the next season mm-hmm. than we were before. So I think that would be a, a bit of advice that I would share, you know, going into, if you're stepping into something new, finish really well and invest yourself in finishing well. It was, it will really, yeah. you know, you'll carry God's favor and you will, you will kind of step up in stature in in that way into your next into your next season. Yeah, brilliant. What was what was the trigger for you to decide now was the time to leave what you were doing in London and move to the Middle East? Yeah, I remember the time we oh. talked about it. I remember. I remember. So our favourite. It was a Saturday, and we went to our favourite place in East London, the Crate Brewery. If any of you like nice IPAs, I would get over to the Crate Brewery in Hackney. Um, and we were just chatting about, do we feel like it's now? Do we have a sense of peace? And we just couldn't come up with a reason for it not being more of a, this has to happen now. We had grace for it. We had faith for it. We knew that 
Easter was coming into being a Sunday and it was a good time to leave. And it was actually amazing because we prayed that that day, like, God, please, can you just show um, Dave Stroud, our, our leader? And um, then we went to see him the next day. And uh, he, as he came in to meet us, he was like, we were trying to tell him that like, we think it's sooner than we thought. We're thinking next year, summertime. And it was like, we expected like a wait, you know, guys, come on, do East in the nicest possible way. And we love him. We were happy to stay with him. And he was like, oh, on the way here, um, I really feel like God spoke to me. And yeah, I think you should go as soon as you can. We were like, oh. So how about in like three or four months time? Do you think you could, you know, can you fast track what you're doing? Can you move earlier? And we were like, we looked at each other. We we're like, no. uh, wow. It was just like the most amazing confirmation that the day before we'd had this conversation saying, right, God, what are you saying? Is it, a, you know, we both felt like yes. And then God spoke to Dave as well. The last chat we'd had with him, he was saying, you know, could you give me two or three years? Yeah, let's really see this this thing flying east and then to hear him kind of turn around completely that God had spoken to him that morning we were just like wow this is really happening and he's trying to get us out the door quicker than we thought <laughs> I think in that though don't be scared to like pray for signs or like just things that just keep you just encouraged in your heart that you're in the right way and we did it the first night we arrived and it's in there uh, uh, where we live and we said uh, God just show us we're in the right place and we went out for a drink that evening and the, we started speaking with the person on the table beside us in English obviously she came back and left the bar came back 10 minutes later and said um, I've just not met an English person like you do you want to meet up again and she to this day is like my best friend we see each other nearly every week she's really in exploring um, Jesus and I just laugh at the fact that we just said can we just meet one person to show us we're in the right place and those little confirmations yeah that's really brilliant and one one crucial thing for every church planter is finance could you very practically tell us how did you manage to finance your call and that's the last question you'll be happy to know yes yeah, so we um, we've basically um, asked people, um, so for us personally or as a team, shall I answer? For us personally, because we're going to be leading the, the planting team, we wanted to raise finance for, we said, we'd come and learn language full time for two years to really get great language, to be able to start something public in, to start something indigenous in that language. Um, and then start a new congregation and believe for a, for a new community to be started in that next three years. Um, so learning from our good friends who had uh, already moved to this part of the world and we just thought, wow, the way they prepared was fantastic. Um, so we basically said um, we'd love to write, raise finance for those five years to cover us so that we can really lead and serve the team we've asked the, the team of race finance for the first two years to learn language so we we basically we asked um a few particular churches that we were well connected with would they think about supporting us as a church 
to really get behind this new community that we want to see started. Um, and alongside that, then obviously a few people kind of came in and said, hey, we'd love to support you. We'd love to support you. Um, and gradually, gradually, um, a lot of our support has come in. Um, yeah, so I think that's just been a real journey of faith as well. And um, God has been amazing in providing. And I think relationships then were built that we that we didn't have before. And suddenly, you know, God brought provision from all sorts of different ways. Um, but it was really from that sense of, right, who are we really connected with here who know us, who are kind of have a sense of confidence in us and want to journey with us on this on this new venture and saying, hey, would you partner with us for these five years? That does look different, though, for the team, because they will we ask them actually to not raise past two years and to look to go into work um, so they can really get kind of stuck into the city. So it's a shorter period of time for them. Um, just as a point, if you want wanting to lead a team, it doesn't always look like five years. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder that the full notes on everything that Joel and Amy said can be found at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 81. See you next time.